Hey guys, Veronica, Andrew, and Nate here. We are Foodies Watching Movies, a podcast dedicated to awesome movies, great food, and that's about it. Check us out on the JIC Network at www.journeyintocomics.com. Maybe throw some money over to our Patreon so we can eat this week. And now your feature presentation. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 20 of The Poor Report. We have reached another milestone, 20 episodes. A lot of podcasts don't make it this far, so it's very exciting to be on a show that's now reached 20 episodes. I mean, I know it's nothing compared to some of the more current shows on the network, like JIC just had 177, I believe it was. I may be way off. I apologize to Nate and Reno if I got that wrong. It's hard to keep those track. But when you're a young show like me, sometimes it's easier to keep those numbers. It's like, when you're young, everyone cares about your age. Oh, you're seven, you're eight, you're nine, great. But when you're in, like your 40s or your 30s and like no one's like how are you i'm 32 like no one really cares about the number of the long you get until you get to the milestones like you're 50 you're 55 all those the the larger milestones in life so with that it's great to be here i know the poor report has been kind of a mixed bag since episode one the show has changed its format changed its style changed its point of topic and it's really kind of adjusted and that's kind of how I have been over the past year since I started the show. There's just been times where things need to kind of get shaken up a little bit. I know in 2017, I got engaged. I, all that, it's just a lot of changes happened in my life. And in 2018, it's going to be even more crazy. And the show's kind of got to change with me or I'm being disingenuous to the show. So with that said, getting to episode 20, I've been trying to think about the format and a structure and a, Something I can settle on that'll say this is the poor report for now and for the future until something else happens. This is the show I want to plant the ground. Like, this is the show. This will be the format. This is how I want to take the show forward. And it's an evolution I want to start working on now and hopefully have something settled by next month or March when I reach episode 25. 25 is a great milestone. Nice 25, nice clean number, like 25, 50, 75, 100. Nice clean number. So 25, I think, will be the start of the new poor report. And I'm really excited to see some of the ideas that I've been drawing down and thinking about and talking about. It just finally come to fruition. So if you like what you see, if you like the direction the show's going, just stay tuned for 25 when when I think the training wheels are going to finally come off and the show's going to move forward in the way that I've been dreaming it will since I've probably putting the show together. Now with that said, there's a concept I'm coming up with that I was trying to figure out the best way to do it. Because with a show where you talk about news and you talk about politics and you talk about government entertainment, all of this stuff that gets we get inundated through social media, through Facebook, through Twitter, through all the Instagram and all that stuff that we see on a daily basis. Or for me who checks Google News like four times a day to see if anything exciting happened. But see that sometimes shows that do news will focus on one article and go in depth through a whole segment on one news article or one bit of information, which is great. If you can fill a whole show on one article, 
It's awesome. And I've done shows where I've focused on one thing for the whole show. And there's other shows like that where they'll go through 20 or 30 articles. And I've tried doing a full hour where I just run through 15-ish, 20-ish articles and try and give my two cents before moving on to the next one. And that's that's great. I'll get you a lot of information. But I'm not giving you... I don't feel like I'm giving you enough information because with 10, 20 articles, you spend two or three minutes on it. You filled that hour. But it's kind of wants to give you a little bit more to talk about. And I'm trying to keep these shows shorter because I know there's shows that are great that go over an hour. But being with one person talking and I'm not bouncing off anyone. And I hope in the future to kind of rectify that by either by having a semi-regular guest or a semi-regular co-host. Or some kind of activity where I am interacting with another person because that makes shows better. I think conversational shows help a lot. But... Being the type of show I am, it's kind of hard to find that person or someone who you can regularly interact with. But that's fine. I think I found a sweet spot, which is keep the show between 30 and 40 minutes. I talked about it on 19. I've been talking about it for the past few episodes about wanting to refine the time. And I think a 30 to 40 minute show is great. It gets you either through your commute to work. It gets you through the first part of the day. It, it just kind of It's a nice taste of what the week's going to bring. And that's why I've decided on a time frame. And that way I can focus on a few articles that I think are important to talk about or have a lot of information about them and still get you on your way. Because I know if you're anything like me, you listen to multiple podcasts. So having six podcasts or more that you follow and all of them are an hour or two, that's a lot of time. You're spending a whole work day or multiple work days just cranking through podcasts or your time at the gym. Because I know Blaine, Dick... Dr. Dongo, whatever you want to call him, his on his show, which is podcastry, which I encourage you to listen to on Thursdays, he always says, like, at the gym, I'm now listening to podcasts. It all depends. Do I want to listen to AP talk about politics on the poor report, or I want to listen to music and get pumped up? It's just kind of how you choose to have your listening experience. I know for me, I listen to it sometimes on the way to work, sometimes at work, sometimes after work when I'm cleaning or doing dishes, or whatever I'm doing with my life. There were requires the ability to not really focus on a TV screen or something to look at, but you just need something to keep your mind busy so you feel like you're not wasting time or getting behind by not actually actually participating in a in content. So that's where the show is now going to be 30 to 40 minutes. There's sure going to be episodes where there's, there's something big going on or I have a guest or I have an important topic I want to talk about that's going to take an hour or more or there's something special going on. But I think my goal is to shoot for that 30 to 40 minute time frame, which is great. I'm looking forward to it, and I think the past few episodes have been shorter. Basically since when I did the Christmas episode where I talked about the Santa Claus theory that I think was fun. And then moving on with last week's episode where I kind of split it up, I talked about the Golden Globes, and I talked about Trump and that book that's been causing a lot of controversy, and it's been great doing it this way. But I think I found something that kind of clicked earlier today when I was prepping the show, is that I have a name that's distinct it doesn't look like it's pronounced it looks like purr like an animal cat make if you look on if you look at my spelling and you look in like dictionary where they try and pronounce words for you my name is sometimes there but like person if you look at person in the dictionary it's usually p-u-h-r dash s-u-n person or e-n i don't really know but i'm just making an example without really looking at what it says in the dictionary but p-u-h-r is commonly used as like a person which is not my last name is poor like pouring something or poor people. I mean, I grew up in the poorhouse. That's the sign that was on my 
my parents' house growing up. It said the poorhouse, which is kind of funny. And I thought about the Shore's origins with thinking of the Colbert Report and how Colbert's last name looked like Colbert, but he went by Colbert, which is how it's pronounced, but no one looking at that will think that, and T assign all that, and my last name is similar to that, so the poor Rapport, Colbert Rapport, kind of same concept. That's how the show came. I talked about it since episode one about the show's origins. And I was thinking about it today. So I was kind of prepping. I was going through the articles, and there's definitely a lot of news, and I know you can, if you do any research or go through your social media, you can see a lot of those articles. But I think there's some that are really worth talking about, and that's when it hit me. The Poor Four. Four articles. I'm going to talk about it once a week for 30 to 40 minutes. And if there's something else that comes up, that can always change. But I think the Poor Four is simple, and it works, and it's easy to remember. And I have a couple ideas I'm going to roll out, probably accompanying this episode or with future episodes, that I think will be a nice treat for moving forward. But I think with that, I'm going to talk about the Poor Four. A poor poor first. Now, for any of you paying attention to the news come out this week, there's been an interesting development around a word. That word being shithouse. And it involves everyone's favorite president, President Donald J. Trump. Now, before this, if you looked up Trump and shithouse, you might just get a Yelp review for one of his hotels. But with that, you really don't know what this is going to be. I mean, you could look up, why is shithouse trending on Twitter? Why is why are people talking about shithouse on Facebook? So it turns out, last week, while Donald Trump was in a meeting to talk about immigration and he had a bunch of lawmakers over. And I guess it came out with like a, things to talk about, like, why do we need more Haitians? Take them out. It's basically kind of what he's saying. And then a few minutes after that, he says, like, why are we having all, like, when they're talking about like African nations and immigrants from African or South American or Central American countries? And he goes, why are we having all these people from these shithole countries come here? And one, wow, that's crazy to come from a president. Like, what? I don't know how a president could even say stuff like that. Even behind closed doors. You know, when you're a president, nothing is ever behind closed doors for long. Especially with what I talked about last week when we were reading the that book by Michael Wolf, where he talked about, like, everyone has their own person. Everyone can get their information out. Leaks are common in administrations, especially ones that are kind of as haphazardly handled as the Trump administration. And then you can go and say, like, I never said that. All That's all fine and good. But interesting enough that, like, earlier in the recorded messages, and I know Dick Durbin, who's from Illinois, who my father actually knows because he was involved with city government and state government and all that, so he's kind of familiar with that. But it's interesting to mention Haitians because Margot Alargo, Margot Alargo, which, whatever Trump calls his Palm Beach, Florida golf club resort, they actually use Haitians. So the Margot Lager uses like 70 or so H-2B visas, which are temporary work permits issued by the Department of Labor to employers who can't find enough American workers to fill their need for low-skilled seasonal labor, like your janitors, your launderers, your... Basically, the people you don't see actively, the people who do a lot of the cleaning and behind-the-scenes grunt work, like outdoor work and all that, just laborers. Is basically what this is, and jobs that they can't find Americans to do, which I feel is kind of crazy, especially in the state of Florida. I feel like there's people in a, in a, that might do that work, even if it's maybe low-paying, but that's fine. They make 10 to 13 an hour, which is, you could probably get some 
teenagers do that work during their their height season during the kids school break or high schoolers after school i don't know but i think that's something that could be done everyone needs cooks and servers and all that but that's beside the point that's the reason for those visas so that they can hire unskilled laborers give them visas so bringing foreigners to that and the whole thing that i understand trump says that his old business and his presidency are completely separated which to me is kind of bullshit because Trump's anything, he never cuts ties completely, even if it's an act. He has a passive involvement in his company. Because he wouldn't let it fall apart if, say, one of his kids messed up. He wouldn't let it fall. He would intervene behind closed doors. But that's fine. It's it's whatever it is. But it's kind of funny. He said, why do we need more Haitians? Maybe he's like, why do we need more Haitians? I have the 70 I need to get my job done. Why does everyone else need them? Or why do I care what they do? So... That's just my point on that. It's kind of crazy that Trump can make these comments and then deny these comments. And it's rightfully made a lot of people angry. A lot of foreign diplomats and people in other countries. Or I think he made the comment about Norway. About why can't we get immigrants from Norway coming in? And then people from Norway are like, why would we want to come to your shithole country? Is basically kind of what they said. Like, Norway is doing pretty well for themselves. They don't need to go to America for any reason. It's just interesting and it kind of baffles me things that come out of trump's mouth i shouldn't be surprised and no should anyone in america because anything he could say we'd be like oh that's that's just trump like nothing is news like for any other presidency some of the stuff he says on a random tuesday would be front page news for weeks but because it's trump and because there's always going to be a next crisis a next event something stupid he's gonna say that's it like that'll it'll just blow over by tomorrow like we don't remember like no one else is talking about the fact that he paid off a prostitute, like 150 grand, right before he got elected. I didn't even know that happened. If that would have been Obama eight years ago, I don't think he would have got elected. It's it's just ridiculous that because there's always something bigger, there's always something new, we've become so desensitized to the things Trump does that it's not news anymore. We don't care. Like, the only thing, it's just, we're over it. It's ridiculous. But with that said, I think it's been kind of funny. Uh, since all this came out, people have been kind of having fun. Like, someone literally went to one of Trump's hotels and projected shithole above the Trump hotel sign. So it says, shithole, Trump International Hotel. Like, that's awesome. They did it at the uh, D.C. hotel. So like, the one that's like down the street from the White House. It's fantastic. I like people who are at least making a stance. And because it's projection, they're not like graffitiing it. They're not really breaking any laws. It's just funny and as long as you don't get caught you're fine and i think it's just just great (laughs) now moving on to something a little more serious and a little kind of ridiculous is that in honolulu hawaii for a half hour on saturday morning the state the whole state believed it was under attack because around 8 a.m alert went to everyone's cell phone that said ballistic missile threat inbound to hawaii seek immediate shelter this is not a drill which is serious 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 business like if you saw that your whole life would change in a beat like a heartbeat because you don't know how big it is how many there are what's going to happen you're going to immediately try and find the safest place to be get all your loved ones text people you don't care about or not sorry not text people you don't care about text people you do care about all your loved ones, get everyone where they need to be, pets, you'll pack a bag, get all the necessities you think you'll need, bottled water, all of this, 
Because you don't know what's going to happen or what the state's going to end up with if this is true. And the thing is, for 38 minutes, these people thought they were living in hell. Because they didn't know when this was happening, how much time they had. Every minute that this thing probably felt like an eternity to these people. People are like sitting in their bathtub, sitting in their crawl spaces, in a shelter. If they were driving on the street, they probably got out of their car, left it running, and ran into like a building or a structure, a basement, someplace to be out of whatever harm's way they thought they were in. And it all turns out that this was an incident because someone pressed the wrong button. How in the world can someone accidentally trigger this text that goes to everyone, these alerts? It played on TV and radio stations that this was happening. How can someone accidentally do this? This should be just as serious as launching a nuclear missile. There should be a two-key system that you don't accidentally throw a whole state into chaos. Like, if someone did that in Illinois, I don't know what would happen. Like, you can't just... I don't know. This shouldn't ever be a thing. Like, I understand if something is major to happen, you want to get it out as soon as possible. But it shouldn't be as simple as clicking a... going into Google Chrome on your desktop. It should be something that's a little more serious. Like... A button that's under a lock and key. Or like the freaking Batman signal. Move Shakespeare's head and push a button. I don't care. It shouldn't be something that can be accidentally pressed. And it took him 38 minutes for them to call it off. 38 minutes is way too long for an incident. Five minutes is too long for something like that. Because you know the second you press that, it's going to send it out. And you can be like, oh crap, I sent it out. Cancel, cancel. There should be a way to abort it if it's not a problem. It just baffles me. Like, literally, if you... I've gotten the emergency text for, like, weather. Or for... I've gotten, like, the Amber Alerts. But, like, if you saw ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, what are you going to do? That is just bonkers that this can have... I don't know. It's ridiculous. I mean, I gotta applaud, people did get their act together when they saw this happening. People were the most helpful, like, people driving, we're seeing people on the streets without cell phones, or on the beach in Hawaii, and being like, hey, this is happening, we need to get safety. People were really stepping up and showing their true colors and helping each other out. But you can't imagine how it feels to, like, maybe say goodbye to a loved one, do you think for the last time, kissing your child, maybe for the last time. Call, calling your parents, texting the loved ones that aren't in Hawaii and being like, I probably will never see you again. It's just crazy. And I don't even know how to perceive that. Like, there's no way that this should be a thing. Like, and this was 8 a.m. Some people aren't even up for the day. Some people are waking up to this. Could you imagine going from dead asleep to that text message? You're going to be awake. You're going to be freaked out. And you're not going to know what to do. This just shouldn't be a thing. I, I'm sorry, but the Hawaiian government, the state government of Hawaii, royally, royally fucked up doing this. And that's just where I'm going to leave this article, because I want to know your thoughts, because this is just ridiculous. So if you see it, have comments and everything, just share it with me. I'd be happy to hear it. And moving forward, I've covered the Golden Globes pretty extensively on 19, which was last week's episode. I talked about how James Frango had one an award for Best Actor playing Tommy Wiseau in The Room in this Disaster Artist movie, a movie that he starred and directed in and wrote and worked on all that through. So 
yeah, he was having a pretty great night. I talked about like how it was ironic how a movie about the worst movie ever made is one of the best movies of 2017. I thought it was kind of funny. And we've seen since then, for those who keep up with the news, is that his night and really his life since then has been anything but awesome. So these were coming out through Twitter basically as he was winning the award as he was giving a speech. So Ali Sheedy, who was a co-star on The Breakfast Club, sent a tweet as he was giving a speech saying, James Franco won. Please never ask me why I left the film business. Which is weird. It's cryptic. It doesn't actually give much information. But the last, the only thing she's done with Franco is that he directed her in a 2014 off-Broadway production of the play The Long Shift. Shrift, sorry. Can't read my own writing. Now, and also during that, there was a couple of their Twitter posts that were talking about it. And, like, everyone knows when I talked to the Golden Globes is that was everyone was in black and wearing those Time's Up pin, which was representing women's rights and sexual allegations. And James Franco, like a lot of the men that night, were wearing those pins. And a couple Twitter users, which I'm going to quote, there's uh, Sarah Tither Kaplan said, Hey, James Franco, nice Time's Up pin at the Golden Globes. Remember a few weeks ago when you told me that full nudity you had me do in two of your movies for $100 a day wasn't exploitive because I signed a contract to do it? Time's up on that. Or Violet Paley, who said, Cute, time's up, Pin James Franco. Remember the time you pushed my head down in a car towards your exposed penis? And that other time you told my friend to come to your hotel room when she was 17? And you already had been caught doing that to a different 17-year-old? Yeah, those aren't great tweets to get. And I applaud the women for stepping forward and being spoken and that's the whole thing of this women's rights movement it's been it's been great that they're able to get their voices out there and putting an end to this these back room settlements and the just not th- not thinking what you can say can be heard and i know we've seen a lot of it come out lately i mean if anyone who listened to yesterday's journey to comics i mean there was the issue with stan lee and it's it's i feel like it's harder for someone that you hold in high esteem to see them actually be this person that they're secretly kind of a horrible person. And I'm not saying that they are, but you can't dismiss allegations just because they're someone you like. It's People can easily say all the allegations against, say, Donald Trump or Kevin Spacey are accurate. But, like, I know when Andrew Kreisberg, who was an executive producer on Supergirl and some of the other CW shows, I hesitated a second for believing, which is not shouldn't be your reaction. You should take everything seriously until basically you're proven until it's proven that that person's innocent and regardless of who get who comes up from it you gotta take them seriously so just getting back to that so since the tweets came out uh five women have spoke to the la times about behavior frankly found inappropriate or sexually exploitive and this led to a lot of hollywood kind of canceling things Right after this, uh, Franco made an appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, always interesting, uh, on CBS. So he made a statement about it because Colbert obviously was going to ask about it. And he says, the things I heard that were on Twitter are not accurate, but I completely support people coming out and being able to have a voice. Which is kind of a, I can see what he's saying, but like basically saying, I want to see your voices heard, but what was said about me is not accurate, which is okay. It's either one thing or it's another. You can't just claim 
two things there. And I probably won't include the audio of this, but... And basically, it moves on, like, Colbert asked Franco how he thought reconciliation could be achieved between two people with different views of an incident. He said, basically, if there is a restitution to be made, I will make it. If I have done something wrong, I will fix it. I will have to, which is a good thing. He should definitely, if if it comes out he's in the wrong, which we're going to assume he is, then he should do everything he can to resolve that and be punished rightly for it. And if anyone remembers from following anything, I remember, this has been a few years ago now, that James Franco, while starring in a like an off-Broadway play, supposedly seduced a 17-year-old girl through like Instagram or through some kind of, uh, or through texting or some kind of means so he basically like and i guess yes in this uh legal age consent in new york is 17 but that's still gross like you're basically twice that girl's age and it's just not okay but that's another one of those things like there's been a lot of allegations come out lately and you just can't assume someone is innocent just because you like them or you want to see them succeed because you're basically saying to like a woman who's been through a horrible trauma that I understand you're upset, but this person is a movie star. They make no wrong. They play pretend for a living. Like you're putting that person on a pedestal at the sake of someone who has to deal with this on a daily basis because they feel silenced by someone who's has so much more power and so much more control over them. And it's really time for that thing is like, like those pins said that a lot of people were at the Golden Globes and I'm sure there's a lot of really nice people in Hollywood, but yeah, time's up. That's, this is the 2017 was the year of time's up. People need to be held accountable for their actions, regardless of their power, their wealth or their position. It's yeah. Time's up. And sticking with Hollywood, I know there was a lot more fun kind of resolving out of another movie that's playing big right now in Hollywood. And I talked about this a few episodes back, and this also kind of ties into the whole Kevin Spacey of it all, is that there was the movie that really got made called All the Money in the World about J. Paul Getty and the kidnapping of his grandson and that whole story. So as I said, um, Kevin Spacey was recast when the movie was done essentially like a month before its release date they brought in christopher Plummer to reshoot every kevin spacey scene with the stars of the film and still got it out before the end of the year so they brought back michelle williams and mark Wahlberg to film those scenes with christopher Plummer. and really scott came and give presentation and basically like praised that uh michelle williams and mark Wahlberg did it for no money like they came back for free and then it kind of dropped recently that Mark Wahlberg and his agents negotiated a $1.5 million fee for, or pay for Mark Wahlberg to come back for that nine days, whatever it was, for filming. And it also revealed that Michelle Williams did go back for essentially nothing. She got paid an $80 per diem, which equaled just was equaled under $1,000. So basically... Mark Wahlberg made $1.5 million. Michelle Williams made $1,000. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. And the even crazier thing is, Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg are rep by the same 
talent agency. They're both rep by William Morris Endeavor. Like, they know what the other person's getting because they're in the same talent agency. Like, I mean, the actors obviously don't know, but they're the agents are only talking like, hey, our two clients are both on this movie. How much did you get for your person? Oh, $1.5 million. Oh, I thought we were doing it for nothing. Mark Wahlberg doesn't do anything for nothing. Like, that's insane. You think you would hold out for another. You'd think, like, both our stars should get this amount of money, or both my stars are going to work for nothing. That's kind of ridiculous that just as this whole thing about a pay gap and about how women should make as much money, like how this stuff that's been going through Hollywood since, like, 2016 and before. And we see that this giant discrepancy. It's not like, oh, Mark Wahlberg made... 1.2 million and Michelle Williams only made one. That's still a wage gap, but that's still not bad. But like literally thousands of percent more money for 10 days of filming. And 1.5 million for 10 days of filming is also a ridiculous sum of money. I don't care if you're Mark Wahlberg. That's ridiculous. So since then, and since the movie is then cast into scrutiny, Mark Wahlberg made a statement saying like he was donating his 1.5 million to the times up legal defense fund, which is nice. And then the agency, William Morris never also donated another 500,000 bringing the total to $2 million, which they rightly so this was an egregious mistake and yeah, they should be penalized. And I think they were rape. They were sorry, not, they were, uh, racked, they were dragged through the coals over this and that's, they should be punished. And as anyone knows, the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund subsidizes legal support for individuals who have experienced sexual harassment or related retaliation in the workplace, which is great. And now we have a statement from Michelle Williams regarding this whole incident. She said in the statement, Today isn't about me. My fellow actresses stood by me and stood up for me. My activist friends taught me to use my voice and the most powerful men in charge, they listen and they've acted. She added, If we truly envision an equal world, it takes equal effort and sacrifice. Today is one of the most indelible days of my life because of Mark Wahlberg, WME, and a community of women and men who share in this accomplishment. Anthony Rapp, for all the shoulders you stood on, now we stand on yours. And Anthony Rapp, for all you know, was the the man, the actor, who st- stood forward in, back in October and basically said, Kevin Spacey attempted to seduce me back in 1986 when I was 14 years old. And that's kind of what started the whole ball rolling and everything that we've dealt with since then. So we saw there is a happy ending, but if this didn't come out, if this was brushed on the leg like a lot of things in Hollywood are, we would never have heard about this. This money would never have gone to the Legal Defense Fund, the Time's Up. Michelle Williams probably would never have even been told that Mark made egregiously more money than she did on this show. And... I'm at least happy that we saw a benefit that this money did go to some good use. But it's not like... I know Mark Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams are both not hurting for money. They're both very talented actresses and actors and actresses, and they've been working a long time. So they don't need this money. This is not taking from their plate, or this is not causing them to live in poverty. Like, this isn't... But it's... The principle of the matter is that actors and actresses doing the same job, having the same screen time that should make similar amounts of money. I mean, I'm sure there's never going to be like, you make X amount of dollars, 
if you have this many lines. But there needs to be some kind of ground, some rules for this that dictates how this goes going forward. Or we're never going to see this. Like, I kind of want to know how much Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks made for The Post, the Spielberg movie. I'm assuming, because I have to say, probably Spielberg is probably a, probably a higher paid actress than Tom Hanks at this point. She's done plenty of movies. She's done movies... Longer than I've been alive. Same with Tom Hanks. But I think she probably gets a higher payday than Tom. But I have no way of knowing that. And there's... Without publishing everyone's pay on every movie ever, we're not going to know this. But we should be able to trust that everyone is paid fairly. And that just goes outside of Hollywood. That goes to all company. For the same job, you should make the same money regardless of gender, race, all the stuff that... They, the checkbox at the bottom. Like race, religion, gender, all of that should, shouldn't matter. It Same job, same money. That's how it should be. And I guess with that, I'm going to kind of close the Poor 4 segment. And I hope you guys liked it. It's four articles every week during my show. And there'll be times where I'll do something probably out, maybe outside of the Poor 4, which is just going to be talking about the articles, but there might be like something else I want to talk about. Like how I opened the show and spent about ten minutes talking about my plans for the show and what we're doing going forward and all that information. So I thank you for sticking through this kind of evolving show I hope you keep up with everything else going on on the network. I know we just finished our feature week, and it brought a lot of new viewers, so I probably have some first-time listeners who are like, I still haven't listened to your backlog yet. I don't know what this show was or what this show is going to be. And I'm happy you're here. I'm generally happy that I'm getting new listeners, and I saw my likes on social media go up and new followers on that. So I'm very happy to have you here, and I hope you like what you see. And if there's something you like or comments you have, feedback, I am open to it. You can message me through Facebook. You can contact me through DM through social media. It's I'm open to a lot of forms of communication, but I'm happy you're here. And just remember, um, you can I'm at the Poor Report on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can list all of our other shows going by going to journeyintocomics.com. We have an event going on right now. That's the Road to Infinity War, which is all of us are reviewing. Uh, a different MCU movie leading up to Infinity War coming in May. So, and actually the one I did is dropping tomorrow. It's on Iron Man 2. I encourage everyone to listen. You just go to patreon.com slash journey into comics and you get access. For $3, you get access to all of the MCU reviews up to this point. Early access to all of our reviews, all of the special content. I have some exclusive content out there. GIC has some exclusive content out there. It's... A great way to see a little bit more beyond the public access of the JIC network. And as always, you can catch me every Tuesday. I'm going to be doing this show hell or high water. So I will talk to you all next week. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Have a great week and thank you for listening.